Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at just a few verses. It's something called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. We're looking at verses 18 through 20. All right, are we ready? Start with verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So last week, we saw Jesus was crucified and dead and buried. And he rose from the grave. And that changes our eternity. And now Jesus, who defeated sin and conquered the grave, has called us to be on mission with him. And so this is called the Great Commission. This is what the church is supposed to be about. This is what we are supposed to be about. Did you know that you were called to a mission from Jesus? See, I think a lot of people look at church as something that they go to for an hour on Sundays and they miss out on the invitation Jesus has given. And so I think there's two answers to the Great Commission on why people do not live on mission. I think the first one is the I don't know group. The I didn't know group. And so many, and I think some of us are in this group. We didn't know Jesus had called us to anything. We didn't know that anything else was required than showing up for a weekly service. And man, if those are really involved, showing up for the cleanup Sunday, like surely that's enough. If I show up on a Saturday to clean up the... And yet Jesus offers and invites us to join him in so much more. And so this I don't know group would be, I, I compare it to uh, our football team. How do we call plays, DeMarcus? Yell out the number. Now why is that helpful? You got a wristband, right? It's simple. Coach Hop, our offensive coordinator, play number 17, boom, everybody looks at the wristband. Everybody knows what to do, run the play. We do that so we can go no huddle, speed up, get the defense on their heels. Now, that works well if everybody's on the same page. We're playing a team that's third and four. We want to run a play called freeze. You want to know how easy freeze is to run? AJ, what do you think we do on freeze? Don't move. That's all you got to do. Don't move. So Hop calls in the play. Oh, we got them. They're reeling. We get this first down. We can run the clock out, win the game. Play number 17. We look. Freeze. Pretty simple. Don't move. Close it. Everybody lines up. We run the play. Down. Set. Go. No one was supposed to move, but our wide receiver on the opposite side of the field took off. That's a penalty. Moves us back. Coach Hop asked him, what? are you doing? He phrased it a little differently, but that's the, the Reader Digest version. What are you doing? And he goes, I didn't hear the play. And we run the ball so much, he thought, well, I'll just go out and run out here and nobody will notice the difference. 
and it cost us for moving the ball down the field. And I think in the church, we have a lot of people on the team that have no idea what play has been called. Jesus, who has all authority, has invited you into his team, onto his team, and he's called the play. And I want to make sure we hear it so we can run that play. And that's the Great Commission. Did you know you're called to make disciples? And you do that in three ways, by going, by baptizing, and by teaching to observe. And we'll talk about all, the next three weeks, that's what we're talking about. But then there's another group. you got the I don't know group, and I think that's some of us. And the other group, and I've heard some of us in the room use this, the I can't do that group. I can't do that. You make, make disciples of all nations. Hey, we've got a couple guys coming in here a little bit late. We have a couple runners. They're going to be here. Let's try to remain focused. We've got the I don't, I can't do that group. And so um, this past week, English 2, Miss Brewer had six stations that you had to cover in two days. And she made the mistake of handing out the packet of all six stations. Each station had a couple things to read. You had a, a poem on guilt. You had uh, a couple of articles on different things that, that you had to try to decipher the meaning. It's all preparing you for Macbeth, which I've never read. I'm going to watch the movie, though. Um, <laughs> learning all this stuff. And we got this packet, and I'm working with a student, and this girl behind me goes, that's doing too much. She puts her head down, checks out. And you want to know what happened? She saw how much all the stations were, and she's like, that is too much. She looked, I can't do all those stations today. But you want to know what she failed to understand? The fact that at each station there was a teacher that would help you through that station, and you had multiple days. You can get through it. Seemed like a lot. But once you got started, you work at your station, you got a teacher to help you, everything's fine. Jesus calls you to a mission that is impossible, but he doesn't let you do it by yourself. His promise is, I'm with you to the end of the age. Now, this is the awesome promise. You're called to do the impossible. None of us in the room can make a disciple. We can't save anybody. And that's why we are dependent on Jesus. And so you're right, I can't do that. And, and so what, what I hear is, well, I'm not comfortable going to the nation. I, I don't want to travel. Not everybody will travel to the nations. Not everybody is going to be like Rick and be able to backpack and sleep in mosquito tents and, and be okay, right? Not, God hasn't called everybody to that. But everybody has been called to make disciples here, near, and far until the nations hear about Jesus. And you can do that. And so what I hear is, I can't do that. I'm not comfortable traveling. Um, I can't speak. I, I'm, not, I'm not an outgoing person. I'm shy. And who's the focus on when you hear that? Yourself. I, right? Here's the awesome news. The mission God called you to is not dependent on your ability. See, and that's, that's so hard for us to get into our minds, right? Because a lot of times, when somebody asks you to do something, it's dependent on your ability. DeMarcus, I asked you to wheel that around. I was hoping you were strong enough to get it over that cord, right? Some guys wouldn't have that ability to do that. I asked him for a task. He has the ability to do that. Here, we don't have the ability, but Jesus promises us his presence. And so it teaches us dependence. 
So I would say that I can't do that group. You're right, but you forget it's not about you. It's about Jesus who is with us. All right, so with that said, I want us to look at the first part of the Great Commission and then the, second, the last part, and then we're going to look at going today. Three things that will help us with going, right, and making disciples. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to book it, all right? Lord, thank you for gathering us this morning, Father. Uh, so many people have so many things going on in their lives right now. And so, Father, I pray that they see you today, that they hear from you. I pray that you convict us of sin. Help us trust in you, knowing that you cleanse us and forgive us and help us walk with you. Help us as a team live out this mission that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, the first part, it, it talks about his power and our duty. And it goes with all authority has been given to me. All authority has been given to me. Uh, can someone give me a definition of authority? Because Jesus says all authority has been given to me. Does anyone have a, a good idea of what authority is? People who make the rules. I like that. All right? People who lead, people who make the rules. I wrote it down. It's the right and power to make decisions, call the shots, influence what is done in a given relationship. So a father has authority over his children, but not over his neighbor. A coach has authority over his players, but not over the referee, right? A teacher has authority over his or her classroom, but not over the principal. And so I want us to see this, what Jesus is saying here, after defeating sin and death and Satan, rising from the dead, he's leaving no doubt. He's saying all authority in heaven and on earth. He's saying everybody in the world, is going to answer to me. I have the right to tell you what to do. And now listen, this is a game changer. Because I think like this, there's a lot of people doing whatever they want to, not relying on Jesus, right? So let's say it's raining outside. It's pouring. And Jason, you say, you know what? I don't think it's raining outside. So I, that's fine. Go outside. Now, he can go outside and get drenched, and he's like, I told you it wasn't raining. But you want to know what would happen? Jason will get wet. And it's the same way when people say, you know what? Jesus can't tell me what to do. But one day, they will stand before Christ, and judgment is coming. And they're going to see that all authority always and forever belongs to Jesus. What we're saying, we're bowing down now. That's what we just sung. That Jesus is Lord of our lives. We're going to do what he has called us to do. Why? Because he has all authority. He can call the shots. Now here's the good news. When you listen to Jesus, it will always be for our good and his glory. There's a lot of people that have authority that do not work for your good. And it's messed up. Jesus, not like that. The one who has all authority will always call you to what is good. And so we've got to make sure his power, our duty. He has the authority to tell us what to do. It is our responsibility to live that out. And then secondly, his presence, our dependence. We talked a little bit about this, but you see at the, the very end, I am with you always to the end of the age, as long as there is time. And Jesus has not returned. The church is called to this mission. And here's the awesome promise. He's with us. 
His presence makes all the difference. I briefly talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Acts 19. The whole city's getting turned upside down. Everybody's coming to Christ. They're, they're throwing out their magic books and burning them up. They're turning from their sin. They're following Jesus. But there was this group that thought they had the power. They thought they had Christ with them. And they said, you know what? All you got to do is say this prayer. And they tried to do the mission without Jesus. And they almost died for it. This is not a game to play. We have a real enemy. There is life on the line. And our dependence should be seen in how we pray and how we walk with Jesus. If God is not with us, we do not go. But if God has called us to something, we're like Peter. Peter said it's safer out on the waves and the wind and the water with Jesus than in this boat without Jesus. May we follow Christ. His presence makes all the difference. And then we dig into here. So make disciples. Can, can someone give me a, a quick definition of what a disciple is? Let's hear it, Evan. Bam. I didn't even tell him. Didn't even tell him to say that. That's all it is. Follow Jesus. That's what a disciple of Jesus is. That's who it is. And so it's someone that looks like Jesus and how they treat others. It's someone that looks like Jesus and how they treat their enemies. It's someone who looks like Jesus and how they love the Father. Someone who looks like Jesus and how they pray and spend time and give and are sacrificing and serving others. A disciple is simple. Someone who follows Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. As we follow Jesus, invite people to follow Jesus with us. That's what make disciples is. And the first thing that he says in this Great Commission is to go. And so I'm going to give us three things that will help us with going. Number one, going requires being intentional. Going requires being intentional. J.D. Greer put it this way, what characterizes urban disciple making, and all that is is making disciples in the city, according to Jesus, is ordinary Christians, you and me, who intentionally imitate him in the city. So we're going to look like Jesus when we're teaching at school. We're going to look like Jesus when we're in class. We're going to look like Jesus when we're playing sports. Paul was a city missionary who modeled the disciple making after Jesus. He describes the process with these few words. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We have depended on programs, classes, and events to make disciples. So if I asked you before this morning how we would make disciples of Jesus, what would you have said? Just get that in your head. What would you have said? Is it a program that we need to implement as a church? Or is it faithful followers of Jesus helping others follow Jesus? See how simple this is? Jesus' approach was to proclaim broadly the good news, invest his life in his disciples, saturate them with the word of God, expect them to obey it, keep them connected to himself and each other, and send them out among the non-disciples to make new disciples. How can we improve on this strategy? You have to be intentional. And there's two ways to be intentional. First one, spirit-led. Spirit-led. I, I flip over to the book of Acts, and I'm, listen, when you get to Acts, crazy things happen. Because the people of God are led by the Spirit of God. If you're going to be intentional, let the Spirit lead you. That's why it's important to pray and dig into the Word, because the Holy Spirit will convict you of what you should do. And, and so just some examples of how the Spirit led the early church. Philip. 
Philip's chilling, minding his own business, and the Spirit calls him to go to a desert road. So in Acts chapter 8, we see an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up, go south to a road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. That is the desert road. Guess what Philip did? Got up, took off, ran to the road. Spirit let him, I'll go. And then the Spirit gets him to a guy on a chariot. Now I don't know about you, that's a little awkward. Philip didn't know this guy. Turns out he's from Ethiopia and he's in charge of helping the queen with her finances. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And guess what Philip does? Jumps up into the right. Now, get this in your head. Chantez, you're driving. What kind of car are you driving, Chantez? Pick out anyone. This was a nice chariot, so you got to pick out a nice one. He's driving a Tesla, right? He's cruising down the road, and all of a sudden, a guy, when he gets to the stop sign, opens up the door, jumps in his car. Why? Because the Spirit led him to do that. Chantez, what's your reaction? Get out of my car, right? That would be a normal response unless God's doing something. This guy's in a chariot reading the Bible. Listen, it's dangerous enough to be driving and texting. This dude's reading the Bible. He jumps in, has a conversation with him, and then he gets baptized. It says the Spirit carried Philip away. So he met him for just a little moment, shared the gospel with him, led away. And it says, as he's going through town to town, he's being led by the Spirit, stopping here, stopping here, stopping here. Philip's not unusual in the New Testament. The next chapter, you have Peter. He's just hanging out with his family in Jerusalem, and the Spirit calls him to go to a family he never would have gone to, right? To a, a Roman Gentile who Peter thought God wasn't doing anything with. And the Spirit leads him to his household, and it turns out that Cornelius and his whole family saved because Peter was spirit-led. Then you have Paul set aside by the church to go on mission because the Holy Spirit led them to do that. Now, this is why I'm saying this to you. If you go on your own accord, you will be tired and you will be frustrated. But if the Spirit leads you, you'll be empowered to do exactly what God's called you to do. You're not called to reach every person on the planet. You are called to faithfully follow Jesus. And you go where the Spirit leads. That's number one. And then number two, we're Spirit-led, but then we also speak the Word. So when you read Acts, you can't help but see this. So in all of those situations, Philip gets to the dude in the chariot. He jumps up. He's like, hey, what you reading? Oh, I'm reading the book of Isaiah. And then Philip's like, hey, let me tell you about how that book is about Jesus, who died for your sin, who is living, who's coming back. You need to follow him. Has a conversation. He speaks the word of God. And then Peter to Cornelius. He's like, well, I might as well proclaim to you how you can have peace with God through Jesus. And the whole household is saved. And then, I mean, Barnabas and Paul, as they go from city to city to city, this is what they do. They preach the word. Some people believe, some don't. Some are saved, some are not. But they're faithfully going where the Spirit leads, speaking the Word of God. That's what it means to be intentional. If you are not intentional, you will not go where the Spirit leads, and you will not say anything about the Word of God. It is easy to talk about everything but the Gospel. Think about your conversations this past week. It's easy to talk about the Reds. They won a couple games. We all know they're going to be in last place by midseason. 
but we can talk about them being the best team in baseball right now. It's easy to talk about everything but the gospel. Why is that? Because it's a battle. You're in a battle, and you're called to the mission. Spirit-led, speak the word. I brought this up. Uh, my uncle did a good job with this, with his neighborhood. Lives in a neighborhood, um, invited some of his neighbors, not all of them, the ones that he knew, prayed about it, asked the neighbors to ask some of their neighbors if they wanted to come for a Bible study. A couple of the dudes in the neighborhood. He goes, listen, it's nothing special. We're going to read through a book of the Bible. We'll pray for each other and, and call it a night. Not everybody in the neighborhood came, but some did. And every Tuesday night, they'd go up to their room and they'd look at the Bible, what they read that week, pray for each other. And it was an amazing thing how easy it is to make disciples. And he was reaching his neighborhood. Now, I say that we have to be intentional about going. I, w I want us to see how this looks. So I put up here, live, and listen, I know it's small, but there's a lot of stuff we got to put up here. Work slash school. There's what we do. And then we got the nations, which is part of the Great Commission. And you're like, how can we do everything? We don't have to do everything. We got to do something. I'll go first. Where do I live? I live in Latonia, which is a neighborhood in Covington. I work at Holmes. I, I like sports. And then we'll fill that out later. Someone else go. Tracy, where do you live? Walton. Walton. Where do you work? Holmes. Holmes. What do you do? Uh, <laughs> so for people that don't know, that's not 2,000. He doesn't do 2,000. He does video games. <laughs> when I said it out loud, it didn't. Whatever. Whatever. Video games. All right. Somebody else go. Matt, I saw your hand. Amplify. Spell it. A-M-I-F-Y. What do you do? Uh, sports as well. I saw your hand. Where do you live? I live in Stonington. Where at? What's the, what's the neighborhood called on Holman? Anybody know? Peaselburg. Peaselburg, oh, got that backward. Peaselburg, West Side, both in Covington. You go to Holmes High School. What else do you do? Tell them what you did last week. <laughs> hey, listen, scare the kids. Dressed up as a bunny, six foot four bunny rabbit, right? <laughs> it was good. It was good. All right, somebody else. Jason? Fort Thomas. Where you work? Everything but the house. It used to say EBTH. EBTH? Thank you. What do you do? Um, neither of those things. Uh, eat Chipotle every day. We'll put food condesseur. Something. I don't know how to spell it. Take what they got. East side. East side. Also coming. Elite. Elite auto. What do you like to do? Cars. 
Good deal. Anybody else want to share? Jeff? Uh, Bellevue. Bellevue. Where you work? Sigma. One of the largest employers in northern Kentucky. What do you like to do? All right. Hike. We're going to put golf on here. Boating. Best driver of a boat we've had. All right. Hey, and, and listen, and the list goes on and on and on. Right? Camden, I see you looking. You live in Covington. You're still at the house for a little while. She goes to Goodrich. Goodrich, we got... Next year, we'll have an elementary school, middle school, and high school represented. We're going to put Connor and one in diapers. Camden. Camden does a little soccer, does a little gymnastics. I know we've got a softball player in the house. We've got, I mean, sports. We've got football, all that thing. And, and listen, and the list goes on. Now, this is the point. If we were intentional about making disciples in all of these areas and using this as leverage to make disciples, look at how Northern Kentucky changes. You see, our mission is to make disciples here, near, and far. So where you live is where you should be making disciples. I don't want this to be something you add on. That's not what Jesus is asking you to do. Right. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Jesus walks through a, a tough town, Samaria. Usually a Jewish man doesn't walk through Samaria. They don't like each other. Jesus walks through a town and there's a lady at the well midday. And do you remember the conversation? Jesus could have just said, hey, I just need a cup of water. Thank you. And gone on his way. It would have been less awkward. But Jesus made the journey specifically to get to that lady. And he tells her how she can taste living water and never thirst again. And shares the gospel with her. And she puts her faith in Jesus. And she's saved. And then she goes back to the city and tells people in the city, come out and hear about Christ. Jesus is always intentional. You guys remember Zacchaeus. He's just walking and there's some crazy dude up in a tree. Now, I don't know about you. If you're walking and there's somebody sticking out in the crowd... It's usually not because they're acting normal. When you guys go to a game, who sticks out? The fan who has chest pain. You're like, oh, he probably needs to put a shirt on. Right? It's, it, and so Zacchaeus is up in this tree. Nobody likes him because of his job. And Jesus goes, stops, looks, and says, hey, come on down. I'm coming to your house. He's intentional. We have to be intentional. And so here's my challenge for you this week. Ask God to lay specific people and families on your heart and on your mind, and then watch at the opportunities that you have. And then ask God to help you speak the way you should, with boldness and clarity. You don't have to know everything. You have to know one thing, and that's what Jesus has done for you, that he died for your sin, you have been forgiven, and you now have life in his name. All right? And then one other thing, and I left this out a little bit later. Do you guys realize what we're doing with the nations? Did you guys know that our giving has gone to Benin? Rick, just real quick, share about Benin. Benin's in Africa. There is a country called Benin. Rick, talk about why we're doing that. Well, as you can see from the picture, um, just a background check, about 
a year ago, uh, Redemption Church donated money to buy um, land, approximately about five acres, for to build a church. And this is the Otamari people in the northwest corner of Benin. And this area of Benin is probably 95% Islamic, but Christ is working, so Redemption Church is a small part of that, be able to help. Uh, the pastor of this church is Pastor McKeese. And um, this year we were able to send some funds to them to build the church on the land. And as you can see, they are completing it, which is a, is a praise. Because a lot of times things get started and they don't get finished. So you can see in the top left-hand corner uh, the bricks. And then they uh, started building the building. And then the tin roof. And then you can see they're building the walls and all that stuff. As you can see, they put in the air conditioning with the open windows. That's it, the air conditioning. <laughs> and, um, and also, you can't see from the picture, but there's benches inside of the church for church service. And um, the, the current congregation is between 20 and 30 individuals. So that's a praise. Um, and so uh, just keep that on your prayer list of uh, Pastor Nikis and the Otamari people group. And, uh, and it's just a... a just a small part of fulfilling the commission that Redemption Church is a part of. Absolutely. And hopefully down the road, next year maybe, we can help a little bit that they can farm the land around the church to be able to have an income for the pastor. So just a little bit how we're a part of the commission yep. on farm. Absolutely. And, and so, and, and here's the cool part. They're a part of the same mission we're called to. And the same God that's with us is with them. Right? So, but then Africa... Uh, my heart is India. Um, you got a billion people, most who do not know Christ. I don't know how we're going to do that right now. Uh, we're looking and identifying missionaries and pastors that we can support and train and pour in resources. Um, this is a big... I want to be careful, but, but one thing that I'm doing strategically, I know you're going to laugh. I go to Dunkin' Donuts a lot, right? No. One of the benefits, <laughs> one of the benefits of going to Dunkin' Donuts is there are several family members from India and they've given me different cities to look up. And listen, it's hard to look up a city that you can't pronounce, let alone spell. But when you do, you're building bridges with people in foreign land that haven't heard the gospel. And then when they hear the gospel, they communicate it to family members back in it. And so there's a lot of ways to reach the nations without actually going to the nation. And so giving is one way, uh, but having conversations with people that are here that can communicate it back there way better than we ever could is another way. Uh, we have connections in Mexico. We have connections in Peru. Um, and it just keeps going and going and going. And, and so we're reaching the nations, but we also want to be intentional. The Joshua Project, if you guys don't know, it's an app you can download on your phone. Um, it gives us an unreached people group every day to pray for. And it's amazing, uh, people that, so when you walk Covington, guess what you're going to see on just about every block, churches. Now, I would argue that Covington has a lot of unchurched people. But you can go to some of these people groups and there's zero churches. And so that's why we want to use our resources for that. All right, so, hey, listen, and I know time is flying and we've got two more points to get to. We will get through them. Be intentional by being led by the Spirit. Go where God leads you. And then speak the word as you go. Very simple. We'll see how God moves. Number two, going requires being sacrificial. Going requires being sacrificial. 
Anybody on mission sacrifices. Everybody in the room understands that. Camden, I'm going to use you. You're doing a pullover on the bar, right? What happened to your hands? You got what? <laughs> blisters. She got blisters, and then she got gloves. But you want to know what? It was worth sacrificing a little bit of comfort to learn this thing for gymnastics. Everybody who plays sports understands making sacrifices. Everyone who works understands sacrifices. If you've ever had a baby, you understand sacrifices. If you've gotten married, you should understand sacrifices. Right? When God calls you on mission, it requires a sacrifice. But I've got to be careful. And I think missionaries have put this better than I have. And I just want you to hear this. Hudson Taylor, a guy that went to China early on, lost family members to disease, was robbed, suffering, suffering, suffering. And he says, I wouldn't call it a sacrifice because he found something more valuable than even his life, and that's Christ. And it's amazing. This is the refrain, verse after verse, that we hear from people that we would say sacrificed everything, but they gained Christ. This is what Paul says. I count it garbage so that I may know Christ. Hudson Taylor we have David Livingstone, who was a missionary in Africa. Listen to his words. He said, people talk of sacrifices that I have made spending so much time in Africa. Is it a sacrifice that brings such a great reward? Away with that word and such a view, such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, now and then, and foregoing the common convenience and comforts of this life may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but... Let not us for one moment sit there and stay there. All of these are nothing when compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us and for us. I never made a sacrifice. And then you have Jim Elliott, a missionary who laid his life down, going to the Aka Indians in Ecuador. He, he had a gun, and he decided not to use it. He laid his life down as he was stabbed to death, and he says this, he says, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. It's not a sacrifice. And then, so, so who did I use there? People in Ecuador and China and Africa. And so you think, well, what about us? We're calling this guy Church Member Drummond. Church Member Drummond said this about our church, not our church, about the church in America. He goes, we expect our missionaries to abandon their families and the comforts of home, to engage lost people groups around the world, yet somehow we fail to see we as a church are called to the same level of commitment for the unreached. Whether at home or abroad, we must be willing to make necessary sacrifices and forego certain comforts and pleasures for the sake of reaching those who do not know Christ. This must not be something that we attempt to do once a week from the safe place of a sanctuary. It must become our very lives, no matter how difficult or complicated or messy it may be. Such a dramatic wholesale change in lifestyle must be rooted in a profound love for our Savior who has called us to join in with Him on mission. This is what we have been called to do. Now, here is my guess. John writing Revelation had all these letters to churches. But I have this against you. And he encouraged the church, hey, endure suffering. You, you want to know what I think John would write to the church in America? You are way too comfortable. Look at how much we have. Look at how much we have. And I think one thing that we have to confess is that we're way too comfortable. When is enough enough stuff? 
lot of times we get caught in the race that we need a better house, a better car. We need a better neighborhood to live in. We need better food. We need more money. Man, don't miss out. Don't miss out on the mission God's called you to, chasing after stuff that never satisfies. If you're going to be on mission, it requires sacrifice. And there's a couple of things you got to sacrifice. you got to sacrifice your calendar. It's so easy to do what you want to do all the time. And your calendar fills up. And I'm just thinking with Julianne with four daughters, that calendar is done. So I look, I'm like, we got this practice, this practice, this practice. We've got this meet, this tournament. And so how I can be intentional about that is the girls Ava's playing with on the team are not there by accident. And I don't know if they'll ever hear the gospel if I don't build relationships and share the gospel with them. So I need to sacrifice my time, my calendar, to go to these practices and be intentional while I'm there. And you guys got to figure out the same way in your own life. But make no mistake, it requires sacrificing your time, your talent. God's gifted you guys in certain ways to do certain things that he's called you to. You got to figure out a way to plug those into. And so you see the, the work. Like some of you guys have design ability that I'll never, ever be able to do. Some of you are able to communicate with people in ways that we'll never, ever be able to. Some of you are able to do things that nobody else on the planet can do, but God has given you that gift so that you can make him known to the people you hang with. Something such as NBA 2K can be used to make disciples because it's an easy invite to get people in to hear the gospel. But it requires sacrificing. So your calendar, your talent, but then also your money. Also your money. And that's a very uncomfortable topic. But you want to know what I've noticed? If you don't control your money, your money will control you. And it operates in two ways. I have more money, but it's never enough, or I don't have enough, so i got to keep hustling to get more. Never satisfies. You want to know, this is what I try to do. This is what I try to do. God, here is my calendar. Here is my talent. Here is my money. Whatever you want, it's yours. Tell me what to do. And I believe God answers those prayers. Give me wisdom in how I can invest this. With whatever time I've got, help me make the sacrifices so that I can join you on mission. But make no mistake, the mission requires sacrifice. And then, finally, you got to be vocal. And I've already touched on this, but I want to read this verse. Acts 4.31. If you're taking notes, write that down. Acts 4.31. Acts 4, someone look that up and read it for us. And this will be, this will be the last point. I want to share a story, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Acts 4.31. Anybody got it? I, I hear... I, oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. You got this. Acts 4.31. Hold on. I wasn't all the way there yet. Here we go. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with fullness. Bam. Isn't it simple? And so this is what we desperately need. We need to be filled with the Spirit because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, it's easy to speak about God. So they, they were under persecution. They were getting beaten and put to death. They asked God to save them, give them boldness. Spirit comes, and they were able to speak with boldness. And so I know a lot of us, these are awkward conversations to have, but here's the deal. If Jesus, who has all authority, has called you to go rescue others, 
showing them how they can have a relationship with God, have peace with God, have forgiveness of sin. Because I think sometimes we forget how it is. Right? If you don't know Christ, you're dead in your sin, and your sin's going to destroy your life. People aren't making it. No matter how happy they look like, apart from Christ, nobody's making it. And we have this message of hope. And we want to be vocal. We want to be bold. We want to be clear that Jesus is our hope. And so I'll leave you with this story. There was a Dateline news report. This was years ago. There was a guy dangling on a bridge, and they had these rescue workers pulled up. You got the EMTs and the police, and they're trying to get closer, trying to get closer, and he kept on edging away, edging away, and then finally lost his balance and falls into this river. And he disappears under the current, and he pops back up, and then he starts screaming for help. And by this time, there's a crowd of people that have gathered around, and everybody's watching this one paramedic with a life ring, or water rescue guy with a life ring, throw this lifesaver out, trying to get to him, but it misses because of the wind and the current. And life are good, so they roll it back up, and then they throw it out. Meanwhile, the camera zooms to the bank of the river, and they see this guy in shorts just sprinting to the water. And he starts swimming, and later on they find out that this guy was an off-duty lifeguard, and he makes it, but by the time he gets to this person in the river, he's already disappeared again. So the lifeguard dives under, comes back up with him. And they start coming to the edge. And by this time, by the time they get to the edge, he tries CPR to resuscitate him, but it's too late. Tragedy right before the TV screen, caught on video. And this is the point. There's so many people that are standing on the bridge watching one guy throw a life preserver, hoping that it works. But there's not just one guy that's drowning. When you look outside at our neighborhoods and people across the globe, there are billions of people that are drowning in sin. And God has called us as rescue workers to go to them. We're not the ones standing on the bridge watching. We're the ones in the river swimming. And we will get there in time. Because that is what God has called us to. And that is why God is with us. Do you see how urgent our mission is? Let us not be standing on the bridge. Let's go to them. Let's be intentional. Let's be sacrificial. And let's be vocal. May we be a faithful church in going and making disciples. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for our church. And Father, all of us in the room are called to this mission. And so I pray that if anybody here doesn't know you, that today they put their faith and trust in you. Father, I also pray for forgiveness when we're slow in this mission. And God, you're a patient father. And you invite us to get back up and get going. So, Father, I pray that we see that this isn't an individual effort, but this is a team that you've called us to and a mission you've called us together on. And so we thank you for your presence. Lord, we are totally dependent on Christ. We thank you for new life in him, new desires and new mission. Father, I pray that we faithfully follow him. And as we do, we lead others to follow him as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.